Hello, and welcome to this very special festive episode of Cast. I feel like there should be a jingle for that. Welcome to this very special festive episode of Cast. Ah. Yeah, better. Welcome. Hello. Nice to have you here. For some reason, I am feeling pretty Christmassy this year. Or at least I'm feeling a bit of the warmth and the spirit. Basically, I'm getting marginally more emotional at Christmas movies than I normally do. So, that's what has let me know. I've also decorated a tree this year. Watched all the Home Alone and Die Hard films. Uh, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas film. And if you don't agree, la la la, I can't hear you. I have realised I can't hear you anyway, because this is a podcast. I literally cannot hear you. That's how this works. <laughs> but it's nice to have the effect. La la la, you know, for... Just to hammer the point home. Actually, it's Christmas, so fa la la, la 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 la, I can't hear you. Okay, apologies for the hostility. This is a time for joy and cheer, not conflict and contention. A time for putting aside differences, right or wrong, and, uh, and celebrating what truly matters. My Patreon. <laughs> no, compassion, love, and uh, and goodwill toward men and women. Just people, goodwill towards people. Okay, let's get that one with the time, shall we? Speaking of my Patreon, though, for this special festive episode. I asked some of my wonderful patrons to suggest some words for this episode that I would then select from to use for this episode. So they did. And then I did. And here we are. Look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Huh? Not me. Well, maybe me. I did plan it, so... I suppose... I should start by talking about what Christmas is for me. Actually, no, I should start by explaining how this works. Because just in case anyone listening is listening for the first time, um, over here on Cavancast, I use a, I usually use a random word generator to generate five random words and then talk about them but we're switching it up a little bit because it's, it's the festive season yeah and we're going with the words from my wonderful patrons this time around but yeah and then i just chat about them i chat about whatever comes to mind maybe some history maybe some etymology um and maybe some anecdotal goodness which is often very strange and often makes no sense because it's coming from my mind. But we have fun anyway. So I'm going to start by talking about what Christmas is for me. As that is the one 
that I celebrate around this wintry, festive season. And it's really very simple, to be honest. I am grateful for pigs in blankets and cheesy nibbles. Mm-hmm. That's it. Nothing else. They're literally the only two things. Okay. Maybe the opportunity and reminders everywhere to take the time to appreciate what we have in life and the bringing together of all those things, regardless of what that is. And you know what? The older I, the older I get, the more I realize that doesn't have to conform to all the typical things you see in Christmas films or in TV or in commercials and those type of things. Christmas can mean anything to you. All occasions can. I, I don't think they should ever be forced to be anything else. Though I do have a goddaughter now. And you better believe I am going to be spoiling her rotten. Angeline, do you know what? Forget everything I said. It's about presence. It's all about presence. Materialism is the center of everything. Festive or otherwise. <laughs> Buy stuff. Buy it. Go on. Um... So there's a couple of things that uh, when I see them and when I experience them start to make me feel festive. One of them is the Coca-Cola advert. You know, the uh, holidays are coming, holidays are coming, holidays are coming, holidays are coming. Tis the season, it's always the real thing. Um, yeah, that's one. Um, seeing Christmas lights go up. Um, Christmas markets and that, yeah, and you know, when they start doing tins of cheesy nibbles in the shops, yeah, it gets me going. Someone, uh, someone told me once that Coca-Cola is the reason that Santa is red, is that a thing? According to Coca-Cola, no. It's widely believed that today's Santa wears a red suit because that's the color associated with Coca-Cola, but this isn't the case. Before the Coca-Cola Santa was even created, Saint Nick had appeared in numerous illustrations and written descriptions wearing a scarlet coat. However, it is true that Coca-Cola advertising played a big role in shaping the jolly character we know and love today. In 1931, Coca-Cola commissioned Swedish-American artist Haddon, Haddon Sundblom, Sundblom to paint Santa Claus for the company's Christmas adverts. Prior to this, Santa had been portrayed in a variety of ways throughout history, tall and gaunt, short and elfin, distinguished and intellectual, even downright frightening. Sunblom's paintings for Coca-Cola established Santa as a warm, happy character with human features such as rosy cheeks and a great big bushy beard. 
It says white beard, but I, I put in my own little twist there. Uh, twinkling eyes and laughter lines. This grandfather style Coca Cola Santa captivated the public, and as our adverts spread globally, the perception of the North Pole's most famous resident changed forever. That makes me want to believe that Santa actually looks like Jack Skellington from The Nightmare Before Christmas. That would be awesome. Oh, by the way, if you want a progressive Christmas film, you should watch Noel, uh, as in N-O-E-L-L-E, with Anna Kendrick. Changes the whole game on the traditional idea of Santa, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. Cringe is all heck, but good, really good. This whole thing's just a big lesson in critical thinking, isn't it, really? Don't accept everything as the truth, and go and find your own answers. That's the real Christmas message here. Think for yourselves. The best gift you can give to yourself. <laughs> this holiday season. <sighs> okay, shall we start with some of these festive words? Did you like that? I like that. I was happy with that one. It won't stay that cringe. It might stay that cringe. It will probably stay that cringe, let's be honest. Anyway, the first word of this festive episode of Cast is stocking. Stocking. The nice big socks that you hang over your fireplace for Santa. Be he red, green or skinny or portly. Um, to fill with wonderful gifts. I wonder if sock is like an abbreviation of stocking. Right, because actual stockings that you that you wear are long and cover your whole leg, right? And socks only cover your feet. So, uh, stockings came first? Did stockings come first? I don't know. Wait. Okay. Historically, even though the word sock is at least as ancient in origin, what men normally wore were often referred to as stockings, probably especially when referring to longer hose. <laughs> longer hose. The word stock used to refer to the bottom stump part of the body, and by analogy, the word was used to refer to the one-piece covering of the lower trunk and limbs. Um, oh, wait. Hold up. The modern English word sock is derived from the old English word sock with two C's, S-O-C-C, -C, meaning light slipper. This comes from the Latin socus, a term to describe a light low-heeled shoe worn by Roman comic actors and deriving from the ancient Greek word sykchos, S-Y-K-C-H-O-S. So maybe they don't have the same origin then. Interesting. Anyway, Christmas stockings are fun. They're actually one of the only traditions um, like Christmas traditions that my family has. They're just stockings. And they always had to have an orange. But loads of people have that. It's not just us that had the orange thing. 
why do loads of people have the orange thing? One theory behind the tradition of oranges in the stocking stems from the generosity of Saint Nicholas, also known as Santa Claus, Father Christmas, Kris Kringle, and Old Saint Nick, who was the son of a wealthy merchant, and later in life a bishop. It's said that he lived near a father and his three daughters, who had fallen on hard times, so Nicholas secretively threw three bags of gold through their window, which were rumoured to have landed in each of the girls' stockings that were hanging up on the mantelpiece to dry. The father eventually found out who the gift giver was, and was so moved that he told everyone in town about Nicholas. That's a really cool story. This was not only the origin of Santa Claus, but also one reason for oranges, which represent bags of gold in our stockings. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine expecting to find gold in your stocking, and you reach in and you grab a, a friggin' Zatsuma out <laughs> <laughs> like, um, what's this? Oh, 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 it's gold. No, it isn't. It's an orange. It's a symbol. It's a fruit. Um, I took out a loan because I, I thought I was getting gold. How how am I supposed to pay it back in, in, in segments? Segments? Well, actually... That's not a bad idea, and thus the instalment plan was born. I also used to get a multi-pack of energy drinks in my stocking as well when I was younger. Not the greatest of ideas. Glad that one stopped in hindsight. Probably the best thing for everyone, that I wasn't jumping off the walls on Christmas Day. Um... Heading more into the general realm of wintry symbolism, the next word is snowflake. I remember being a kid and I think on one of the first and only snow days there ever were when I was young, because snow is a very rare thing in these parts, um, I was told that all snowflakes, every single one, is unique. Uh, they all have their own patterns and their own thing that, uh, that makes them beautiful. And actually, thinking about it, as we barely had any snow days, even on the ones we did have, our school, our school was one of the only schools to stay open in our county, maybe even the entire country, when we had a crazy amount of snow. I think that was my first experience of protest as well, because we all just left. We just, <laughs> we just striked because we just wanted to play in the snow. And we did. We all went out and we built, well, we, we built a giant, we built a giant, well, it was the same size as a snowman. And uh, kind of the same shape, but the, 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 the intention was, was very different. I will leave it to your imagination to figure out what we built. We did also make a snow sofa and use that as a barricade. 
for a snowball fight. Ugh. I love snowball fights. They were great. They were so good. Also, if you haven't seen the film, The Snowman, the short animated film from years ago, please go watch it. And The Bear. The Bear's a really good one as well. And The Snowman and the Snow Dog. It's good. High recommendations. Just go and go and watch them. Anyway, snowflake is the word. A snowflake is a single ice crystal that has achieved a sufficient size and may have amalgamated with others, then falls through the Earth's atmosphere as snow. Each flake nucleates around a dust particle in supersaturated air masses by attracting supercooled cloud water droplets, which freeze and accrete in crystal form. Complex shape. <laughs> this is a very, uh, very long-winded way of saying water in air get cold, freeze, form snow. Um, complex shapes emerge as the flake moves through differing temperature and humidity zones in the atmosphere, such that individual snowflakes differ in detail from one another, but may be categorized in eight broad classifications and at least 80 individual variants. The main constituent shapes for ice crystals from which combinations may occur are needle, column, plate, and rhyme. Snow appears white in color despite being made of clear ice. This is due to diffuse reflection of the whole spectrum of light by the small crystal facets of the snowflakes. The shape of the snowflake is determined broadly by the temperature and humidity at which it formed. Rarely at a temperature of around minus two degrees Celsius, snowflakes can form in threefold symmetry, triangular snowflakes. Most snow particles are irregular in form, despite their common depiction as symmetrical. It is unlikely that any two snowflakes are alike due to the estimated 10 quintillion water molecules which make up a typical snowflake, which grow at different rates and in different patterns depending on the changing temperature and humidity within the atmosphere that the snowflake falls through on its way to the ground. Snowflakes that look identical but may vary at the molecular level have been grown under controlled conditions. So basically, they can look very similar at first glance, but then if you take a little bit of time to look a little bit closer, you can see that they all have their own history that has formed them in a unique way. I wonder if that can be applied to anything else in life. Hmm. Leave that little turkey nugget with you. The next word is a really interesting one and one that I've never 
never known anything actually about the history of, I don't think. Uh, that word is Yuletide. So, historythings.com tells us thousands of years ago, Yuletide had nothing to do with Christmas. Instead, it referred to a holiday celebrated by historical Germanic peoples. It comes from the Old English term Geol and the Norse term Jol. In Norse poetry, the term seems to refer to a feast. Yule or Jol was a midwinter festival celebrated by Germanic peoples and it fell sometime in between mid-November and early January, probably sometime around winter solstice. During Yule, a sacrifice would be made and the blood would be smeared on idols. The meat from the sacrificed animals would be cooked and served at a banquet. Fires were lit and toasts were drunk to Odin, Njord and Freya for victory in battle and good harvests. A log would be burned, and for as long as that log burned, everyone would feast. It was believed that each time the log sparked, it was a signal that another pig or calf would be born in the new year. This could last for up to 12 days. Oh, Yule log. Meh. Ancient Celts would decorate their homes with holly as a protection since the plants were believed to have magical powers since they stayed green all year and survived the winter months. Mistletoe was hung from doorways to ward off sickness and poison and witchcraft and to ensure fertility. Right, we'll circle back to that in a minute. But... This whole thing makes me think, you know that song, Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Yuletide gay. Was that basically someone being like, Okay, guys, total respect to you and how you feel and the way you're doing things, totally valid. But maybe for Yuletide this year, we try not doing the sacrificing an animal thing and maybe try sacrificing a human. No, I was going to say sacrifice a group of humans. Singing. I was going to say singing. Uh, still a fun group activity, just slightly happier. I was thinking that was quite an original idea in my head and I've realised The Simpsons has already done it with the episode where Lisa becomes vegetarian and tries to get everyone at a barbecue to, to eat cold tomato soup. Gizmacho. Do you eat or do you drink soup? It's a widely debated subject, isn't it? I tend to go for the wild card and just say you suck it. <laughs> Eventually, sometime around the 15th century, Yule had been Yule had been meshed 
with the Christian holiday of Christmas. Yule traditions that stemmed from the Norse holidays like the Yule log, Yule goat and boar from sacrificial meats, singing and feasting became an everlasting part of Christmas traditions. Hey, so they listened. <laughs> Many people still eat a Christmas ham, an evolution of the Yule boar today, and we still decorate with holly and mistletoe. Today, in Germanic language-speaking areas and Northern European countries, Yule simply refers to the Christmas season. However, as neo-paganism is becoming increasingly popular, Yule is celebrated by pagans and in most forms of Vicar as an alternative to Christmas. Is it Vicar or is it Wicker? It's Wicker, isn't it? You do, you pronounce the W. Wicker. Uh, as an alternative to Christmas. Often the holiday is celebrated at winter solstice. In both religions, the holiday celebrates the rebirth of the sun. In 2013, over 3,500 people gathered for a Yuletide celebration at Stonehenge to watch the sunrise. Hey, I met the alien kid who designed it was very happy about that. Um, oh, uh, the candles and lights associated with Christmas, meant to symbolize guiding beacons for the Christ child, may have evolved from the Yule log, which was lit to entice the sun to return as part of the Yule festival in Scandinavia. Oh, nice. Okay, so in that, it spoke about holly, and holly is the next word. Deck the podcast with boughs of holly. Fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la. Holly's the next word. <clears throat> That's probably the least chill thing I have done on this podcast. Is cliffhanger, you like that? Oh, hey, I've just realized I made this podcast to chill and it's a wintry festive episode. Awesome. That light bulb would have been great to have when I was talking about snowflake. But hey, no worries. To be honest, I'm just happy my brain works at all at this point. So, Holly. Um, Cavard. Yes, very small intellectual part of Cavan. I think, I think you'll find the technical name for Holly is actually Ilex. And did you know that? Who? Um, it's act. I said it's actually called Ilex. No, I mean, who asked? Oh, I, I just thought. You know, you and the people listening would want to know. No, it's, it's fine. We're good, thanks. Oh. Okay. Shall I go then? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, bye, bye, everyone. See ya. Mer Merry Christmas. Don't write. 
don't feel bad for him, okay? He once popped up at a funeral when they were lowering, you know what? Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Let's move on. Not even going to give him the time of day. Holly, or Ilex, is a genus of over 560 species of flowering plants in the family Aquifolia, Aquifoliaceae, Aquifoliaceae. Smart, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I'm still here. How do you pronounce? How do you pronounce that word? Oh, oh, that it's uh, Aquifoliaceae. You could say Aquifoliaceae, like you kind of did say. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's uh it's Aquifoliaceae, and it's actually the only living genus in that family. Yeah, all right, thanks, man. I've got it from here. I've got it from here. Just needed help with the word. That's all. Okay, see you later. Let me know if you need anything else. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much. Wicked. Ilex has the most species of any woody. Oh my god. Dioecious angiosperm genus. Gonna have to get him back. The species are evergreen or deciduous trees, shrubs, and climbers from tropics to temperate zones worldwide. The type species is Ilex aquifolium, the current the common European <laughs> I can say aquifolium but not common. The common European holly used in Christmas decorations and cards. Holly, the more more specifically, the European holly, Ilex aquifolium, is commonly referenced at Christmas time and is often referred to by the name Christ's Thorn. Interesting. Um, in many Western Christian cultures, holly is a traditional Christmas decoration used especially in wreaths and illustrations, for instance, on Christmas cards. Since medieval times, the plant has carried a Christian symbolism, as expressed in the traditional Christmas carol, the holly and the ivy, in which the holly represents Jesus and the ivy represents the Virgin Mary. Angie Mostella discusses the Christian use of holly at Christmas, stating that... Angie, can I have a voice? Uh, let's make her... No, let's, no, let's not. Christians have identified... Okay, it just came out. Christians have identified a wealth of symbolism in its form. The sharpness of the leaves help to recall the crown of thorns worn by Jesus. The red berries serve as a reminder of the drops of blood that were shed for salvation. And the shape of the leaves which resemble flames, can serve to reveal God's burning love for his people. Combined with the fact that holly maintains its bright colours during the Christmas season, it naturally came to be associated with the Christmas holiday. Apologies, the Christian holiday. Hell yeah. Thanks, Angie. Much appreciated. Cool, that's holly. And I wanted to carry on with the green stuff, and let's let's talk about one mistletoe and two spruce. 
And um, I was kind of dubious about mistletoe. <laughs> because uh, it's already kind of problematic in a way um, but when I googled it there's a headline of an article that reads mistletoe famous for stolen holiday kisses dodge is a parasite that steals water and nutrients from other plants and, and all I'm going to say is at this point, mistletoe may as well just be an anagram for non-consent. Like that's, that's all I'm going to say about it. I've never had a mistletoe kiss, I don't think. And I'm good with that. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> so there's mistletoe and there's, um, spruce was another word that wanted to be thrown in there. So, uh, Long before the advent of Christianity, plants and trees that remained green all year had a special meaning for people in the winter, just as people today decorate their homes during the festive season with pine, spruce and fir trees, ancient peoples hung evergreen boughs over their doors and windows. In many countries, it was believed that evergreens would keep away witches, ghosts, evil spirits, and illness. And coming all the way back to Britain, weirdly, because it's the Norway spruce, the Norway spruce is the traditional species used to decorate homes in Britain. Oh, the Norway spruce was a native species in the British Isles before the last ice age and was reintroduced here before the 1500s that's old school that's old school right as it's christmas let's do a few more rudolph the red nose reindeer had a very shiny nose like a light bulb and if you ever saw it you would easily close wait is that one Oh, that came too early. Because it, it should be... You really have said it goes like a light bulb. Oh. Anyway, um, I heard recently, apparently, all the reindeer, like Dasher and Dancer, Prancer, Nash... No, Nash is Dennis the Menace. <laughs> Oh, buddy. Um, Comet, Vixen, Cupid, Donna, Blitzen. There we go. Got there in the end. They're all female. They're all boss-ass ladies. Because male antlers lose... No. No, male reindeer lose their antlers seasonally. I think that's a true thing. Um... Uh, the first written account of Santa Claus having reindeer was in 1821, and since then most people have assumed the reindeer were male. But a scientist says those people would be wrong. Andrew Hebder, a zoologist at the Nova Scotia Museum, says while both male and female reindeer have antlers, only the females have antlers during the winter months. 
Being members of the deer family, the males grow their antlers a little bit earlier, and just after mating season, which is just about finished now, they drop off. So over a winter, you'll never see a male with antlers, Hebda said. Ta-da! There is a fun fact for you that I learned recently, and now I pass on to you. You're welcome. I'm going to round this off with a few facts about festivities around the world i think i'm gonna i'm gonna start i'm gonna start with redeeming myself from the terrible pronunciation of Samhain in the halloween episode by pronouncing the irish word for christmas which well i think it's the irish for noel but it means christmas anyway so it's the same and it's uh it's Nolig, please, for the love of God, let it be Nolig, <laughs> please. Um, and Noel is borrowed from the French anyway, right? Borrowed, stolen. Come on now, we're not giving it back, are we? Here you go, France. It, we won't use that word anymore. Yeah, have it, have it back. Yeah, come on now. Uh, the Irish are also known to leave a tall red candle uh, in a front window overnight, a welcoming symbol of warmth and shelter for the holiday season. Traditional Christmas fare in Ireland often include home raid, home home raid, homemade roast goose, vegetables, cranberries, and potatoes. Uh, the Philippines have a giant lantern festival. Um, Icelandic children are visited by the 13 Yule lads. After placing their shoes by the window, the little ones will head upstairs to bed. In the morning, they'll either have received candy, if they're good, or be greeted with shoes full of rotten potatoes, if they're bad. 13 Yule, 13 Yule lads sounds like 13 little roadman utes. <laughs> Like little lads. Mate, you've been bare naughty this year still. You're getting these spuds and they are rotten, bruv. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And a happy new year, innit? In, uh, in alpine countries like Austria, they have a legend that a devil-like creature called Krampus joins their St. Nicholas festivities on December 6th. Children are asked for a list of their good and bad deeds. Good children are rewarded with sweets, apples and nuts, and bad children worry what Krampus might bring on Christmas morning. Bring them gummy potatoes, innit? Hey, Krampus, what you saying? Got bare naughty children out here, you want to give us a hand? Oh, okay. On the, on Christmas morning, Finnish families traditionally eat a porridge made of rice and milk topped with cinnamon, milk, or butter. Whoever finds the almond placed inside of one of the puddings wins. But some families cheat and hide a few almonds so the kids don't get upset. We had that. We had that with like uh, Christmas pudding. You put like 20p in the Christmas pudding. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
At the end of the day, it is customary to warm up in a sauna together. Oh, can we have that one? I like that one. Can we borrow that one too? Borrow. Um, on Christmas Eve in Poland, many families share op- opletek, an unleavened religious wafer, each person breaking off a piece as they wish each other Merry Christmas. Dinner may not begin until the first star appears in the night sky. I mean, what if you have light pollution? What if you live in a city? Forget it. Keep keep going. And traditionally, an extra setting is left at the table should someone show up. I also like that one. I think I've heard that one. I think I heard about that one somewhere before. It sounds really familiar. And I think... To be honest, I think that is probably the best gift you can give someone um, to make someone feel loved. Loved, involved, and accepted. Like the the whole showing goodwill thing is just a, just a nice way to live your life, really. Kindness and good vibes are for life, not just for Christmas. And um, I think it's a really good gift to give yourself. I think the guy who celebrates Christmas every year has got it right. What's his name? Andy Park. Here's to you, bro. Every day. Bring that kindness to your life every day. Treat yourself well. Treat everyone around you well. And so, with that, A Merry Christmas to all, including my amazing patrons who sent in those words, and including me, and to all, a good night. I will speak to you soon.